Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of K-Axis Wrestling Network. Today we'll be discussing WWE SmackDown Live, the May 22nd, 2018 edition from Worcester, Massachusetts. Okay, so let's get right into it with the opening. Alright, we started off with a Miz TV segment. And, alright, pretty much early on, the Miz pretty much exhibited pretty good crowd control. Um, you know, he created a chant and he had them follow it. And, you know, that's a good thing. It's, it's always good to have crowd control when you're on the microphone. And that's one thing that Miz has is another one of his talents is, you know, not only does he just talk a good game, you know, he also gets the crowd involved, you know, which is a very important thing in, you know, the pro wrestling business today. So, um, anyway, um, he introduced his guests, which was New Day, you know, and, you know, Miz was pretty much trying to probe all of them to find out who would be in the Money in the Bank ladder match between the three of them. Um, he pretty much got no answer. They knew they kept beating around the bush. You know, they wouldn't give him a straight answer. And, you know, and then eventually it gets to a point where they said they chose Big E, but not for the Money in the Bank match. That was the little guys. That was the little game they were playing. Um, you know, and they pretty much... I guess they tricked Miz into a one-on-one -on -one match on SmackDown. And, you know, they were pretty much tossing pancakes in his face after that point. And, you know, Miz gets out of the ring, goes backstage. And, you know, that's pretty much what started the backstage segment. And Miz, like, walked up to Paige. And, you know, she pretty much approved of the match, the one-on-one -on -one match between Big E and the Miz. So there we have it. We have match number one. Miz versus Big E. Miz going in as the heel, Big E coming in as the face. And, you know, those two had a match um, where they both pretty much, they, they looked like equals in there in the ring. Um, on the microphone, um, they could have a very good war on the microphone as well because they're both very good talkers. Um, they both have really good character development. So, like, honestly, like if the Miz and Big E or the Miz and New Day or whatever, if they have, like, an ongoing feud... You know, that could actually end up being a really good thing. So um, let's just keep that in mind there. And we have, um, let's see, let's, how did that match go? The bar. The bar had came out, like, towards the end when they were both going for their finishers and reversing. Um, you know, and the bar came out and uh, attacked Xavier Woods because he was standing, you know, ringside. And then Kofi Kingston pretty much left the commentary table. That was his position you know, up until that point, and he left the commentary table, uh, ran up the ladder, like, jumped off of Cesaro's shoulder and tackled Sheamus, and that's when all chaos broke loose out there. Um, Big E was pretty much distracted by all of what was going on outside of the ring, and from out of nowhere, um, you know, Miz had finished Big E for the three count, and that's how that match ended. All right, and after that match, we had a recap of Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass from last week. Uh, it was pretty much that point when uh, Daniel Bryan had, like, beat the crap out of Cass. You know, he had, he had attacked his leg and, you know, had him screaming like a girl and everything. You know, had him looking like a wuss after, you know, you know after Cass came up there talking all that big guy talk, you know, and Daniel Bryan just shut him down quick and just, you know, turned him into a little crybaby, you know, which I thought was, you know, personally, I thought it was hilarious. You know, it was, like, the funniest part of... Smackdown in recent weeks, you know, despite the fact of their dwindling viewership numbers. Um, anyway, um, 
Then we had a backstage segment, which consisted of Cass. You know, he was on crutches, and we still don't know if this is a legitimate injury or if it's a work. Um, if it's a legitimate injury, like, you know, things have been speculated because there was a house show that he was at where he, like, kind of, like, he was standing on the on the apron, and he kind of, like, came off to the off the apron on, on his knee. And from that point on, he was really, really favoring his knee and, like, limping. And, like, you know, um, a lot of people were convinced that, you know, that was a real injury. Maybe it was. Maybe it's not. Um, we don't really know at this point. You know, but I, I know we'll find out soon enough. That's for that's for sure. You know, it can't be a secret forever. WWE can't hide it from us forever if he's really injured or not. Because if he's injured, all, you know, already after just coming back from an injury, then that's gonna you know that's gonna affect his career in a in a pretty major way, and it's not gonna be a good way. It's not gonna look good for him. You know, um, as far as he goes, uh, his partner or is his, his former partner Enzo Amore. Uh, he was cleared on his, I guess, on his um, on his pending rape charges, because I guess they didn't find enough evidence or whatever. Um, so he's pretty much a free agent at this point, as far as we know. But there were also rumors that he might end up going to Impact Wrestling. So uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, because honestly, I don't see Enzo coming back to WWE at this point, because like, you know, he had already pushed enough buttons while he was there. Um, they said he was one of those really annoying guys backstage. Like, who knows? Um, maybe that's what they say about wrestlers that, that they don't like, about wrestlers who say no to Vince. Maybe that's what it was. And, you know, it could, it could be that as well because, you know, Vince is known to not like wrestlers who, you know, go against what he wants them to do. You know, and, and it could be that. It could be that case. It could be the same case with Austin, Austin Aries because, you know, they said the same thing about him, you know, that nobody really liked him backstage and everything like that. But I don't know. Like I said, we'll just have to wait and see because, you know, we can't see the future. And, I mean, we could, we could certainly speculate. You know, we could certainly come up with theories, but we don't really know anything until it happens. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just see what happens in coming weeks or coming months or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, anyway, um... Daniel Bryan, you know, had an interview on his uh, second chance Money in the Bank match against Jeff, Jeff Hardy, which would be taking place on that episode of SmackDown, um, to determine who faces Samoa Joe next week in a final qualifier for Money in the Bank. All right. And then we moved on to a segment where Lana was just pretty much looking at herself in the mirror, showing off and all this and that. And then after that, we move on to match number two, which was Lana versus Billy Kay. Um, this was not a match that I really saw, you know, being anything worthwhile, you know, because um, Lana, for one, she's not a wrestler, you know, she didn't start off as a wrestler. I know she's trying to adapt to being one, but I don't know. I don't think she should be in the ring just yet, you know, if she really wants to be a wrestler. I don't think she's quite ready to be there yet. Um, they had a Money in the Bank qualifier match, and strangely enough, you know, um, she's starting to get over because now they started this whole Lana Day thing. And that's actually kind of getting over a bit. So I don't know. We'll have to see how far that goes. But strangely enough, Lana went over in that match. And she did it with a kick to the head and X-Pox finish. You know, uh, I forgot what they called it. It's the move where he grabs him by the head and drops down. Yeah, you, you know, it's pretty much X-Pox finishing move. Um, and then that was a squash match. It wasn't a great one. Moving along. Backstage segment. Uh, Zelina Vega, a.k.a. Uh, what is her name, Rosita from TNA, um, her and Cien 
she pretty much cut the promo for him because I guess he doesn't speak English or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the case is because I didn't really follow him a lot when he was in NXT because, honestly, I don't watch NXT a lot because, you know, when you think about it, look at, look at the amount of shows that WWE runs as it is. And let's say that it's a pay-per-view week, okay? You have the pay-per-view on Sunday, so you got three hours right there. And if you watch the pre-show, that's what, another, at least another hour? So at least up to four hours of content that you're watching just on Sunday alone. And then you have Monday Night Raw, which is three hours, and then you have you have seven hours right there. Then another two from SmackDown. Then you have nine hours. Nine hours of WWE in the course of three days. That's a lot of WWE, folks. And, and you know, it's too much sometimes. You know, sometimes it's good to just take a break from it, you know, and just not watch wrestling because you don't want to overdose on it. You don't want to do too much of it. You know, it'll just burn you out. But anyway, moving along to match number three, it was Cien versus another visitor, which was a local from the area, I guess, um, who has a background in pro wrestling, I guess. Um, I don't know where they find these guys. But this is actually an older element of pro wrestling. Um, you know, where they, where they would put, like, an established wrestler in there with somebody who's never been seen before, you know. And, you know, these are what, you know, me and my brother, we used to call them visitors, and we still do. It's pretty much the guys that, who are there for one match, and they just get demolished by the established wrestler, and that's it. And you pretty much never see them again, you know. But, uh, you know, certain wrestlers like Barry Horowitz and um, James Ellsworth, you know, they were special cases because they were like visitors, you know what I'm saying, you know, at some point or another. But, you know, then eventually they had worked their way into the roster somehow. But anyway, moving along, you know, enough about the past. Uh, let's talk about the present and the future. Um, CN, uh, he pretty much clobbered this guy. Uh, it, it was a squ another squash match. He pretty much beat the crap out of him just by brawling, and, you know, then he just put him away with his finisher, and that's it. So that's the end of that. And then there was a backstage segment. Uh, it was a Carmella interview slash promo. Um, you know, her pretty much tooting her own horn again, being the heel that she is. Um, she's actually pulling that off very well. And strangely enough, she ends up being the most successful out of her, Enzo, and Cass. Because, you know, they were a team. They were like a faction in, in NXT. You know, and who would have thought, you know, like, like if I had to predict you know, who would be the most successful out of those three, I would have said Enzo originally because he just had that mic skill. I mean, he, he didn't have strong in-ring skill, but he was good enough on a microphone to where he could just be, he could just get over on that, you know, just, just from being really good on the microphone. But strangely enough, Carmella is the one who ends up being the most successful of those three. So you never know how things are going to turn out. All right, so then we had another segment, um, and we see a lot of these in SmackDown, a whole lot of segments. Um, not as many this time as there were in previous weeks, but there were quite a few. Um, we had AJ and Nakamura. You know, they had, you know, came out to the ring pretty much to determine, you know, what Nakamura was going to choose for the stipulation since he had won the match the previous week, which allowed him to determine the stipulation, um, you know, at Money in the Bank for their one-on-one -on -one match. Nakamura just, you know, goofs around, does his little clown around thing, and he says a pillow fight, you know, and he just goofs around even more. And, you know, it reaches a point where he just tries to sneak attack AJ Styles, you know, but AJ Styles was prepared, and he countered, he countered the attack, you know, and then the brawl pretty much continued on the outside of the ring, you know, and then Nakamura just gets the upper hand, and, 
you know, he pretty much gets to clobber AJ Styles for like a straight three minutes or so. And Nakamura does, you know, he just starts counting to 10. And that pretty much gave away, you know, stipulation that he was going to choose because, you know, when you knock your opponent down and you start counting to 10, that's indicating that you want to do a last man standing match. And that's what happened. So then everybody got the picture after that point. But when he started counting, I knew it. I was like, you know, because that, that was my original thought. You know, like they're probably going to choose a last man standing match because that would be, that's pretty much like a be all end all of matches, you know, when you have a feud or rivalry going on. Um, so, you know, I guess that would make sense, you know, even though I'm tired of seeing this match. I honestly don't think it should happen again. It shouldn't be happening at Money in the Bank, you know, in my opinion. But um, anyway, it's happening. So, you know, last man standing match. What more can you say? Um, and then you have, let me see, it was the last man, yeah, he made the last man standing match. All right, so then we had uh, match number four, which consisted, it was the number one contenders match for the tag team titles versus the Bludgeon Brothers at Money in the Bank. So we had the Usos versus Anderson and Gallows. And, you know, uh, both teams had met in the ring, face-to-face, toe-to-toe. Um, they had both cut promos on each other. And then that eventually broke out into a brawl. And then the match uh, began shortly after that. They rang the bell, and it was official, and it was on. All right, so Anderson Gallows, um, they pretty much squashed the, Us- the Usos in that match. I was surprised how quickly that match was wrapped up. Um, and then they pull off the Magic Killer. You know, that, that was their finish. You know, and, you know, the Magic Killer is a really good finishing move. In fact, um, it's actually one of the best finishing moves in WWE at this point in time. It's really, really convincing. You know, it's just a move that just looks so dangerous and just so crucial. You know, it just looks look, looks powerful. It's a strong, strong finish. It looks really good when they do it. So, I mean, good for them. I mean, I'm glad to see them actually get the rub for the tag team title shot, but good luck against the Bludgeon Brothers because it's not going to be easy. You're not going to be able to squash those two. You know, if, and if somehow they do manage to squash the Bludgeon Brothers, then I'll be surprised, you know. But I just don't see it happening. And I'm pretty sure you guys don't either, but you can feel free to make comments in the comment sections, you know. All right, so moving along to match number five, which was another Money in the Bank qualifying match between Naomi and Sonya Deville. Okay, and that match was actually pretty quick as well. Um, I don't know, it's it's what you could expect from those two. Um, There was a point where they had both kicked each other, and it looked like Naomi had kicked Sonya Deville in the mouth, and that looked really, really vicious. Um, I'm just glad that her boots are padded because, you know, imagine getting kicked in the mouth, you know, like, that's not going to feel good no matter who you are or how strong you are. Like, getting kicked in the mouth is serious. Like, that's... That's really, really serious stuff. Like, so many things can go wrong with that. But, you know, hopefully nothing did. I mean, I'll read all the dirt sheets and everything else after this um, sometime later on. And I'll find out all the latest information. um, You know, just to find out if anything went down, you know, beyond what I've already seen. You know, behind the scenes and all that good stuff. But anyway, after that match, um, after Naomi had scored the win and qualified for Money in the Bank... We had a backstage segment, which consisted of Jeff Hardy, and they were pretty much doing the same thing that they had done with uh, Daniel Bryan early on. Um, They had interviewed him about the one-on-one match against Daniel Bryan for the very first time, which they love saying, because WWE loves their very first times, and, you know, 
we pretty much got on to the main event at this point, which was match number six. And this was, you know, Jeff Hardy versus Daniel Bryan. But before we had that, we had Samoa Joe make his way to the ring. Um, not to the ring, but to the commentary table. He came up to be a part of the commentary team. And, you know, then we had our match, uh, Daniel Bryan versus Jeff Hardy, which is sounds really good on paper. Um, it, it was actually pretty good as it happened as well. I mean, it was a really, really seesaw-type match. You know, it was back and forth. They both had their moments to shine. So, that, so you, know, you know, they both got to showcase their skills, and it looked very, very even. Um, they looked really good in that match. Uh, Daniel Bryan started to get the upper hand on, on at least two occasions that I remember. Um, but then Hardy would come back. So, you know, once again, we had the seesaw effect. You know, uh, one guy looked good, then the other guy looked good, and then, you know... It looked like a really, really even match. So, um, you know, then eventually it got to a point where Hardy hit the twist of fate on Daniel Bryan and attempted his swanton bomb, but Daniel Bryan got his knees up, you know. And that always looks crucial. Like like when a wrestler misses a move from the top rope um, and, and, you know, and the other wrestler, like the, uh, the guy who's on the mat, gets his knees up and they just land on his knees, like that really, really looks like it hurts, you know. I mean, I mean, regardless of the fact of him wearing knee pads or not, I mean, it just looks like it looks painful. You know, imagine that, you know, somebody's knees going into your rib cage or into your back. Like, there's no way that can feel good. I mean, whether it's fake or not, you know, as people like to say, it's fake. But um, I swear some things in wrestling are not fake. But anyway, moving along, above and beyond that. Um, it was a seesaw type match. I mean, overall, you know, and, um, you know, and, uh, Daniel Bryan had gotten to a point where he had uh, dragon screwed Jeff Hardy, caught him by the leg, smart move, to break down somebody as speedy and as dangerous as Jeff Hardy. You know, really, really smart to take him down to the mat. You know, and um, at that point, he had modified, um, you know, he, he had broke, he had pulled the dragon screw, broke that down into a modified ankle lock on Jeff Hardy to where he couldn't escape. You know, and he had him cranked back in it, you know, and Jeff Hardy just tapped out. You know, and he actually got over on Jeff Hardy pretty well with that. I was surprised. It was really good. I liked the way it ended. And then from that point on, um, Samoa Joe, you know, he had left the commentary table, got into the ring, got into Daniel Bryan's face, and pretty much reminded him who he's facing next week, you know. And then uh, we moved along to um, the closing show. You know, that, that was the closing of the show, pretty much. Samoa Joe telling Daniel Bryan who he was facing next week. And then um, it had moved backstage. No, it didn't. Or did it move backstage? Hold up. No, it didn't. Not that I remember. Um, and then, you know, Daniel Bryan was pretty much still in the ring um, celebrating his victory, doing his yes thing and whatnot. And they pretty much went off of air at that point. So, what did I gather from this show? Um, I think this show, um, it wasn't as good as it could have been. I feel like they could have done better in some of the matches. I feel like some of the matches should have been longer than they have, than they, than they were. Um, it's just, I don't know. I will give them props for having less segments, but they did do quite a bit of backstage things, which is necessary in a show. I can't really blame them for that. But you're talking about a two-hour show here. So when you include all the commercials and everything else that's not a match, like how much time does that really amount to? Not very much. So I really feel like they should put, you know, focus more time into the matches, you know, into the superstars, you know, because that's where it's at. You know, that's the reason why we tune in, right? You know, to see our favorite superstars do what they do best, 
you know that's at least the reason why I watch it you know I would hope it's the same reason why you do but if, if it's not feel free to write in the comments as to why you watch WWE or whatever wrestling that you choose to watch that we discuss you know but anyway that's all I had to say about it. like what did I think about the show overall how would I rate the show um, it wasn't great but it wasn't the worst either um, it did have a couple stand-up moments the main event being the best match in my opinion um, Miz and Big E was also pretty good um, let me see there were no really good women's matches though none of their matches were good this time in my opinion um, AJ Styles the, Nakam the AJ Styles Nakamura thing I didn't like that um, because Nakamura was just way too dominant but I don't know maybe the table the table will probably turn next week AJ will probably get some measure of revenge on him and so on and so forth um, anyway uh, how would I rate the show uh, let's say a five star rating one being the worst five being the best I would say a good three for the effort um, a scale of one to ten one being the worst ten being the best I would say it is a five out of ten for the effort it was a half effort um, all in all that's pretty much all I have to say about it you guys can feel free to tell me what you think about it in the comment section uh, support the show. Go to kxswrestlingnetwork.com. Uh, find all my other social media accounts and everything else, and subscribe, rate, comment, like, follow, share. Uh, everything, anything you can do to support the show would be greatly appreciated. Donate, you know, via PayPal or uh, GoFundMe. That's the other one. So uh, you know, just support the show however you can. It would be greatly appreciated. You know, anything that you can do, anything, you, any way you can help out to keep this podcast going strong. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on iTunes. I'm on, uh, let me see, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, and YouTube. Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. So find me wherever you can. Um, some of my links will be posted up in my banner. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm gonna create a new banner sometime before this week is over, and it's gonna have all my social media contacts on that banner, and I'm gonna load that up to the site so you can see it. Like as soon as you get there, you can just see how to find me on other platforms, just in case, you know, uh, you have a problem accessing my links. You know, I have I have links on the site as well. You know, that have little social media icons that you just click on. It's a one-click thing. You know, my RSS feed is there. Everything is there. So. You can find everything on the site, um, on Twitter, I'm, I'm there. Uh, pretty much I'm on Twitter and Instagram the most. That's where you can find me the most. That's where I will post the most content. That's where I will tweet, retweet, share information, post information, post photos, everything else. It'll mostly be on Twitter and Instagram, you know, because I'm not really big on Facebook and um I'm not so big on YouTube either. Like YouTube is YouTube is excellent for video content, but right now I'm not really uploading a lot of content to YouTube at this point in time. So, I mean, maybe it'll change. You know what I'm saying? If you guys start following and subscribing, I mean, subscribing and you know liking and you know what I'm saying, commenting and everything like that. Like once the audience builds up, I can do more for YouTube. But right now I'm just kind of laying back on that. I'm gonna wait on that. So at this point in time, it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and iTunes you know download my podcast listen to my podcast on iTunes listen to it on SoundCloud I'm also there so 
you know, do whatever you can to support the show. It would be greatly appreciated. As for right now, I am your host, K-Axis. I am signing off for K-Axis Wrestling Network, and you guys have a good one.